Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lions fans. It's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue. Faces turn red. And rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. Hello, friends. It's Jeff Risden from the Detroit Lions Podcast and Lions Wire. And we've got a mailbag coming for you. All right. Put some questions out to the uh, Patreon Slack for the Detroit Lions Podcast. Thank you all for joining in uh, and giving good questions. I got, got a lot of them here. Uh, I have not pre-read these, so I'm going to go through and uh, handle a lot of these. There's, there's probably too many here for me to answer, so I'll try to get this as quickly as I can, uh, and we'll get through it. Uh, thank you again for uh, tuning in and, and asking the questions. From John, I remember early in his tenure here, Holmes mentioned the value of comp picks. I know fans want a bunch of splashy free agent signings since we are not Super Bowl or bust. But it sounds like he is more interested in re-signing his own guys. Do we have any free agents that could possibly net us comp picks this year, assuming we don't make any free agent signings of our own? No. In a word, <laughs> there's not going to be any big ticket guys. I mean, maybe Jonah Jackson if somebody gets desperate for guards, but there's a lot of guards out there. It's a great draft for the guards. I don't think that that market's going to be there. And... uh you know, aside from the fact, I do think the Lions are going to make some additions enough that it would negate it out. The the free agents that are going to be leaving, they're they're just not going to be that guy um, who's going to get that kind of a contract that would bring one back. Maybe a late round, like I'm trying to think who, like maybe Josh Reynolds if he leaves, gets signed and we get Mister Irrelevant out of it. That's probably about as high as you're going to get for a, a comp pick this year. Because uh, remember, comp picks don't come if you release the player. So, like, Julian Okora already signed with Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, we don't get a comp pick for him. He doesn't fit into the comp pick formula, uh, which is too bad because uh, he actually uh, went for a, a salary that might actually earn something in the seventh round. But uh, good question. Uh, their aversion to comp picks is different than the prior regimes. Um, and we can talk, well, we've actually talked about that on the podcast before. And if it ever becomes an issue again, we'll talk about it again. But uh, don't expect any comp picks this year, so long in the short of it. From FMS, last year in terms of drafting, Brad Holmes went against the perceived notion that he doesn't value linebackers highly. Oh, I have thoughts on this. If you had to pick another trend break, break this year, uh, what is your best guess, or do you think we have a pretty good feel for what he has done or what he will do given three years of player acquisition data? All right, so this will go back a little ways to the 2022 draft, and I was told and made the declaration that they liked their linebackers, um, and it was phrased to me exactly that way, that they weren't all that interested in doing it. When I asked a Lions source at the Combine last year before the 2023 draft, they were, not, they were looking to upgrade. 
Did I think they were taking Jack Campbell or in the first round? No, I didn't. I had him taken. Um, oh, what's his name? Came out of Washington State, uh, and and I uh, I thought he was going to be like a second or a third round pick for Detroit, uh, but they took Jack Campbell instead. They seem to be happy with it, uh, and uh, their aversion to linebackers is well, they don't need one now, so <laughs> I think they're pretty good there. Um, in terms of uh, best guess on what they might do that would break trend. Uh, they haven't really gone after offensive tackle depth quality wise. They've they they were happy enough with Matt Nelson. I don't think that they have that status anymore. I don't know that. That's just my thought um, based on a couple things that I've seen. I I think they're going to be more willing to attack the offensive line earlier in this draft than they have in the, like Colby Sorrell fifth round pick last year. I thought they were going offensive line earlier. Uh, it turned out that they didn't. And, by the way, they did a pretty good job, so you can't complain. But I, I, I think you're going to see a, a more of an emphasis on earlier, uh, especially in and especially interior draft pick. I think you're going to see a day two pick, um, day one. Maybe, maybe it's a guy that can play guard or tackle. I don't know. That's uh, still early on that, but I think that would be that would be my best guess at it. Um, since that's what you asked, good question. Um, oh, this is a good one, Scott C. Do you think Holmes is actually looking at any premier free agents on defense this year? No. He told us that in his year-ending press conference. Believe him. I know it's fun to dream about Daniil Hunter, Brian Burns. I just wrote a thing in Lionswire today about wanting to get Brian Burns. I don't expect it. It'd be great. I don't expect them to be in the market for a 12 to $15 million corner or uh, you know, like a Jalen Johnson. Somebody like that would be that would be great. I just don't think that that's I don't think that's what they're going to do. I think they're going to spend their, more of their money on their own guys, um, and and that's sort of the the blueprint. And they're going to stick to it, and it's working. So again, complain if you will, but what they're doing is working pretty good. So um, for Brandon, um, Brandon Sema, good dude. Hi, Brandon. Uh, can you give specific examples of what guys you think the Lions? Did to help build up JMO. Oh, okay. All right. So this was this was a question for me and Chris for the podcast, uh, and we didn't actually answer it on the podcast. So um, it's a good question. Um, it, it's worth answering. Uh, he said, "I thought JMO was going to be Mike Williams 2.0 after a suspension. How did they get JMO to buy in and not throw in the towel?" I think a lot of it is the fact that they guessed. Right. I don't want to say they guessed right. That's not right. They read JMO right that he was a. Kind of an immature kid, kind of a um, um, directionless, and they felt like he was a guy that they could give the right direction to. That he was somebody that they could influence into becoming the player that they want him to be and that he wants to be. And I think they're doing a very good job at that. I think a lot of veteran leadership was there. The guy like Josh Reynolds helped. I think Antoine Randall L helped having a coach who went through some like he had an interesting career if you look back on it. You know, this is a guy who came in as a, sort of a, a is he going to be a quarterback? Is he going to be a slash? Is he the next Cordell Stewart? And he kind of settled into being a pretty good receiver. I, I think I think having somebody like that who's gone through a little bit of career adversity in his ear has helped. Having a strong locker room has helped. Uh, a guy like Jared Goff believing in him, never letting him down publicly, never, never besmirching him, never questioning him. I think that's important. I, I don't think Goff gets enough credit for that. So uh, I'll, I'll give Goff the credit for that there. And, and again, J-Mo deserves a lot of credit on his own. He could have gone one of two ways. 
he chose the way that we all are very happy about, and I expect a lot of big things from him in the future. I think he'll be wide receiver two next year. I don't think any of the Lions fans will be complaining about that either um, by about the middle of September or early October. I think it's going to work out very well, and I'm, I'm very pleased to see the direction that he's taking and the growth that, that JMO has made. Um, <laughs> this is a good one from Grant. Uh, going back in the time machine of the 2021 draft, so this is Brattle's first draft, if you had a choice to select Panay or Chase, who do you take and why? All I'll say is the same outside of the GMO pick and a starting tackle in 22. <clears throat> I would say I'm happy with Panay. I would say I would have been happy with Jamar Chase, too. I think the Bengals also were in a can't-lose situation. Remember, we knew that the Bengals were taking – we all knew. I mean, this isn't exclusive. Everybody knew that they were taking either Jamar Chase or Panay Sewell and that the Lions were like 99% going to take the one that they didn't take. I believe it was 5-7 and seven were the draft numbers. I think both teams are pretty happy, and I'm not going to rock that boat. I'm happy with Panay. Love the fact that he's developed into an, an all-pro right tackle and, and arguably, and I would argue for it, he's the best right tackle in the game. Um, and that's, that's saying something. Now, Jamar Chase. He's in the conversation for best wide receiver in the league, and you can't really sneeze about that either. But uh, the Lions, in my opinion, it's easier to find wide receivers than it is elite offensive tackles. And I think the Lions have proven that by getting Amon Ross St. Brown in the fourth round of that same draft. Uh, there's just more volume of players and more, more diversity of how you can achieve greatness at wide receiver than there is a tackle. So I, I, I would say that Panay is probably a rarer find so uh, he would be the choice there. Good pot exercise. Make me, make me think on my feet. I like that. Um, from Gary, Gary Luke, do you think the Lions will aim to extend Aline McNeil this offseason? I'm going to cut off the rest of your question. Absolutely, yes. I do think that they're going to be looking at that. They might actually be doing it already. Uh, and I do think it's going to be a, a where it pays him on the fringe of being a top 10 defensive tackle because that's where he's at in the league right now. He is, when he was healthy this season, a top 10 defensive tackle. Well, a lot of Lions fans disagree with that assertion, but if you ask people around the league, people are like, that guy can play. Um, he's He's one of those guys that I don't think Lions fans have an appreciation for as much as the the fans outside of Detroit do. And uh, he's he would get a lot of money anywhere if he goes. So I, I, I do expect that, that that's one that they will prioritize. All right. Next page. Uh, which player, this is from Mongo, which players do you think may not be back next year? So I'm going to leave free agents off that, and I will just go with guys that are still on the roster who could not potentially be back. And I will say one of them is Tracy Walker. Obvious. He's certainly not going to be back at the contract that he was at after being a healthy scratch throughout the playoffs. Uh, so he is one that you can see just not being back. Uh, Chase Lucas, probably not, I'm going to say. Uh, he Again, it says a lot when the, when the Lions have the cornerback issues that they had, and they never even tried this guy for three years, like never tried him. I think that says a lot about what they feel about Chase Lucas. And they did actually cut him this year. Uh, they brought him back. But that, I kind of think that's the end uh, end of the line for him. Um, obviously, Teddy Bridgewater retired. He won't be back. 
Uh, Craig Reynolds is an interesting one because he is still under their control as a restricted free agent. And I wonder if another team might make an offer on him because this is not a good running back draft. And Craig has proven himself to have a pretty good niche as to what he can do in the NFL. His pass protection is good. He can re- he has some return skills. He can block. I, I wonder if that's one of those where they like they tender him and then another team's like, hey, we'll give you a sixth round pick for him. Um, we'll see. I don't know. I'd love to have Craig back. I, I love having him as the number three running back. They didn't have to worry about the position at all. But uh, he's one that I would see. Um, let's see who else might go. Um, yeah, that's that's probably going to be it. I'll, I'll answer that question there. Um, let me take a little break here because I need a little bit of drink. And also my air conditioners or heater is about to kick on. And it's right on the other side of that wall. And I don't want to blast you all. So uh, I'll come back with more questions. All right, we're back. Had to uh, open up the Lime Cucumber Gatorade Zero. These are great. I'm addicted. Really good stuff. It's weird that I like cucumbers and I like vinegar, but I hate pickles. There's something for you to ponder as I get to the next question here. Okay, from Steel, Hank Reardon. With what you've seen and heard, what do you think the line of the floor ceiling floor slash ceiling is for Hannon Hooker? I love golf and hope we extend him, but are we looking at a Favre-Rogers thing here or a Rogers-Hundley deal? I like how you framed that. I think you're going to see Hendon Hooker be the backup for the next two years for sure, and some of that depends on golf if they decide to franchise. If So golf's contract is up after 2024. They can franchise tag him after that year. And we actually talked about it, Chris and I did on the podcast last night. Um, I'm recording this on Friday. Uh, we recorded it on Thursday night this week. The episode with Emery Hunt, where it's not inconceivable that the Lions and Goff agree that a franchise tag for 2025 is the best route to go. Uh, it would give Goff an absurd amount of money, uh, more than he would make in a year um, if he signed an extension, uh, he would be making 55 to 60 million, the average of the top five salaries of all quarterbacks. That's going to put him up well above any range that he would normally be in. So uh, we'll see about that. And Hen- Hooker is their backup. He'll be their backup for at least the next two years. As far as his their plans for what they do with him or his ceiling, I don't know what his, their plans for. I won't, I won't try to pretend that I know what they if they're going to try to replace golf with them or, or not, um, I don't know. Um, I'd like to think that they will at least consider it if he's worthy. And this is where my evaluation of Hendon Hooker comes in. I do think he will be worthy in a year or two. I liked him a lot. I was comfortable with the Lions taking him at number 18 overall last year. That's You can find the receipts for that all over the place. I liked him a lot. I know there was some concerns about the the simplicity of his offense that he was coming from. Look, he made throws in that offense that not every quarterback can make. I, I just watched Joe Milton at the Sea Bowl, physically incapable of making a lot of the throws that Hendon Hooker made look easy. He's a good quarterback. He's a smart guy. He's a good leader. He does have some mobility, although that's not necessarily a requisite trait for the Lions that they're looking for at quarterback because obviously they're fine with Goff being relatively immobile. I think he's a future NFL starting quarterback. Whether that's going to be in Detroit or not, we'll see. I don't know. Um, 
I, I hope that he gets a chance when they're when the golf experience is over, whether it's in 2026, 2028, um, beyond, beyond. <laughs> who knows if the NFL will exist after that. I mean, um, short term, though, he's the backup. He's the number two, and I feel very good about him being the backup quarterback. I like it a lot. I think he's one of the better backups in the league, or I should say should be one of the better backups in the league next year. Uh, I, I do like him that much and did in the draft too. All right. Um, <laughs> from Chris Carlson, this, this kind of goes with one of the early questions. Who are some big name free agents that will be attached to the Lions by the media slash talking guests that really shouldn't be? All of them. Next question. Uh, from James McGiblets. What are your expectations for how a jersey design redesign may go? Um, I'll be honest with you. I don't care about the jerseys all that much. I like the silver wash ones. I hate the pants. I hope they would change the pants. As far as like what their design is, that's that's way over my head. <laughs> not in my wheelhouse at all. I would like to see them wear the all whites as their base uniform with the blue alternate helmets. That's what I want for the uniform. Or the gray, silver, silver rush jerseys, color rush jerseys with the blue pants, the solid blue pants, not the ones with the lion logo. I hate those pants. But the the, the blue with like the little, maybe like striping on the side a little bit. I'd be happy with that. As far as like a, a redesign, I don't want black. Everybody can do black. We did black once. They, they look cool. Our colors aren't black, you know? Um, have your jerseys that are your, your uniform colors. What do you have to say? The Chets uniforms that have the black in them are pretty damn sweet. So, I don't know. Um, that's uh, that's a good question to ask uh, at, uh, if you get a chance at the um, Taste of the Lions or whatever, uh, or if you happen to run into Rod Wood at a grocery store or something, ask him that. <laughs> It seems like he's the only person who knows because I, I will say this. This conversation did come up the last time I was in Allen Park, not with any of the Lions people, but we were just sort of like, hey, what's up with the uniforms like to one another? Um, and um, it, granted, it's been a couple months, but nobody freaking knew. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Sorry, I can't answer your question better than that, but uh, I, I try not to try not to cast aspersions on my knowledge there. Um. Oh, this is a good one from Balakay69. Outside of what's already been reported, what coaching staff changes do you expect? The only one that I would say might still happen would be Dre Bly being replaced as the cornerbacks coach. And I say that with this. We were in Mobile when they hired Terrell Williams, uh, Chris and I were, uh, as their, their new defensive line coach. And the day that that got announced, I talked to somebody in Allen Park, and they told me that there were defensive back coaches, plural, there that day interviewing. Obviously, Brian Duker's gone, so maybe maybe Deshae Townsend just replaces that. But a couple of the names that I heard of guys who were coming in there were very specifically cornerback coaches. Again, does that mean that they were interviewing for Dre Blashop? I don't know. I don't want to say that, that Dre is in trouble because I don't know that. I would say that of the remaining coaches, he was certainly the weakest link on the coaching staff this year. 
I don't think you saw the development at cornerback skill positions that you did a lot of other positions. Uh, and, and I'll go back to where Dre was at in North Carolina, his alma mater. They didn't miss him. Uh, I'm not again. I'm not. I'm not trying to run Dre out of town because I. I do think that he deserves a second chance to see if he can build upon what he. What he learned and and didn't do well in his in his rookie year as an NFL coach. That's fair. Um, and it, it, he he could very well you know be a guy that okay, you know I didn't do all that well at this thing last year. I'm going to apply myself. I'm going to figure out how I can get better at it. And I'd be happy with that if if that's the case. But then then you would be going into next year and having the the quick trigger. Um, but that would be the only other one that I would see that I would anticipate. Uh, it, it's getting real late in the process right now to, to bring anybody else in. So I, I kind of think they're done. Uh, and I think Dre will be back. But again, the, the, a couple of the names that they said that they were interviewing or that I was told they were interviewing um, would make a lot of sense as a cornerbacks coach um, now that the defensive pass game coordinator role is taken with Deshae Townsend. Um, who I still have not fully evaluated as a, as a coaching thing yet. Only so much time in my day, um, especially during draft season. All right. What else we got here? Um, uh, from... Oh, I need my reading glasses. Uh, from Russell Lyon. Like, what Lions free agents do you think Holmes and company will let walk? Uh, and also, as a corollary question, what players might the front office value more than the fans and be surprised to re-sign. As far as who walks, I don't think Jonah Jackson is back. I don't think I don't think CJGJ is back. And I don't think that that's necessarily a case of the Lions not wanting him back or him like not wanting to be back. I, I think he's probably going to get valued elsewhere more. And uh Rookie mistake, I forgot to mute my phone. Got 10 push-ups at the end of this for that. My bad. Huge would throw me out of the studio, and rightly so. <laughs> Where was I? Oh, um, free just a... I will say one that they're going to value more than I certainly do at S-Man Nelson. Wouldn't shock me if he's back. Wouldn't shock me if Michael Badgley is back. Um, as one that I don't think the fans would necessarily be all appreciative. The easiest way I can say that, and I'm I'm preempting any questions that might come up about kickers here uh, beyond this. I was told this very reliably. Dan Campbell would not have kicked any of those field goals in the San Francisco game if Justin Tucker was their kicker. They just don't want to do that. That's not what they're interested in. So don't expect them to be whole hog after a kicker. Is Badgley good enough? I don't know. He was good enough for him this year. Probably not the answer you want to hear, but uh, I don't expect them to be addressing kicker prominently this year. Um, sorry. Um, oh, this is a good one from Sam. What was your personal highlight from the season, and what gives you the most hope it will be even better next year? There's a couple um, that spring to mind. Oh, jeez. The Brian Branch pick six, honestly, week one, because I think that set the tone that the Lions were not going to be backing down and that the new blood was integral to the team and it was going to work. And I thought that was great. Uh, that was something else, man. 
having the rookie come in and, and make the wave like that. Uh, what other highlights did I really like? It wasn't necessarily like one specific highlight, but I think that the way that they beat Minnesota, uh, the way that they did, I think that answered a lot of questions, sort of quelled some fears about the team. That was certainly one um, highlight of the season. I think Alex Anzalone's play early in the season uh, was a personal highlight for me because I've sort of championed him a little bit. Um, I've fought for him with PFF. Uh, when they did not even give him credit for a pass deflection on a ball that he intercepted. Um, and by the way, they did correct that um, at my behest and my insistence. And uh, Alex knows. He knows. Uh, so that was personal highlight for me because it's always nice when you stand up for a player and they make you look good and they back it up. Uh, and Alex Anzalone did that for me. So thank you, Alex. Uh, and he got hurt late in the season. Didn't play all that well. He will tell you that. I guarantee you he would tell you that. And I expect that he will try to make up for that next year. Uh, he will be back. And I think he's going to be a guy that seeing the fans alonies this year, honestly, um, ties into that. I think that was a really cool development. Uh, what else did I really like? I don't know. I'm kind of like over the season right now, you know, like I'm decompressing with that movement in the draft mode. So like... Thinking back to the highlights is, is kind of tough. Um, they won. What game was that? Jeez. I can't even think of it now. Oh, um, just win, winning in prime time is always nice, too. like that. Um, that's always good. Oh, the Raider game. <laughs> that was a game that I wasn't sure that they were going to win uh, initially. Uh, then my mind changed on it. Uh, also, the way that they beat Tampa Bay, I think, was good. Because I think Tampa Bay proved that they were a better team than a lot of people thought they were um, going down the stretch and winning the NFC South. That was a, that was a nice win at the time, um, and I was happy to see that they, they got it done the way they did. Um, Mos questiones. Um, what is this from Mike? Um, like, uh, second question for Mike. Are the problems we are having in containing mobile or even semi-mobile quarterbacks a personnel problem or a schematic problem? And what might you do to shore it up? Well, I will say this. First off, I am not a defensive coordinator, but I would emphasize discipline on the pass rush. And I think you saw in the Super Bowl how well the 49ers contained Patrick Mahomes by rushing wide outside and never getting pushed beyond him. Um, they didn't get a lot of pressure, but they did a really good job of limiting where Patrick Mahomes could run. And, and by the way, he still ran pretty well. Some of it is the fact that they have to play man defense on the outside, and because you're playing man defense primarily, your cornerbacks aren't going to be able to contribute as much. Your safeties aren't going to be able to contribute as much because guess what? Their head's turned. They're not looking at the quarterback. They're not going to see him take off that well. I think some of it is that the inside linebackers, specifically Jack Campbell, and I will get on the rookie a little bit on this, I don't think they anticipate the speed at which the quarterbacks, guys like Justin Fields and Lamar Jackson, are, are going to be coming at them. And by the way, they're not as fast. Not many are. Uh, I would like to see, not necessarily like the spiral, but I do think that maybe um, not trying to get up the field as much. Uh, and I think Hutch did a pretty good job of it. I think Josh Pascal actually did a pretty good job of it. But some of the other linemen, um, like Aleem, ran past the contain hole a few times. Josh Pascal got, I'm sorry, John Kaminsky got pushed past 
the contain hole a lot. Um, both of the Quora brothers were miserable at that. James Houston, in the very first game that we saw, kept getting pushed wide. Guess what? Mahomes was taken right off through there. Um, they, 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 those guys need to get better at that. I do think that the new defensive line coach will help there. I think that John Scott wasn't necessarily a guy who, coming from Penn State, was anticipating the speed and the the ability of the NFL offensive linemen to block for a quarterback who can run. And I do think that that will get better. But uh, I don't know. It's tough. Um, every defense is going to have a hole or a vulnerability. Unfortunately, teams were able to exploit this one from the Lions. And, uh, you know, that's that's frustrating. It's weird, too, because they are really – they were great against defending the run against running backs. They were number one in the league for most of the season at running back yards per attempt and running back success rate. That's something. Um, hopefully they can build off that and uh, not have to play Justin Fields twice a year because that guy's really good at running. Um, good question, though. A um, couple more here uh, from Gmart. It's been really nice seeing the Lions be able to develop players, not just the really high picks, but guys like Iffy and Barnes, who a lot of people kind of gave up on. With that in mind, who are a couple of young players that you anticipate taking a step forward next year? I'll say this, Iffy has a lot of room to grow yet. He's really good at going forward right now and blitzing and attacking from the box and being in that box safety role. Um, playing deeper than that, that's still an area where he can work on a lot. And I do think that maybe a change of coaching, you know, uh, again, I will I will defend I think Brian Duker was a great safeties coach. I think he was a pretty good defensive backs coach. So this is not an indictment on him. But sometimes you just need to hear a different voice. And maybe maybe Deshae Townsend will be a guy that clicks with if on that role. We'll see. I don't know, because I do think there's still room for him to grow um as an all-around safety. I think as a box safety, I think he he showed a whole lot. I also think that helped that he was finally healthy. Um wasn't missing two weeks with a an injured finger that didn't require medical attention, which happened. Um, one of the reasons why I was cold on him. He grew up. Good for him. It's great. Um, other players that can uh, anticipate taking a step forward. Roderick Martin is the obvious one. Uh, I do think you're going to see much more from him. He needed to see what he needed to learn. So, yeah, I said there. He needed to see what he needed to grow into to be a, a successful NFL player. And I think that that's going to – I trust that Broderick Martin and I trust that the Lions evaluation of Broderick Martin is such that he will grow from that and learn from it and bust his ass to be the best Broderick Martin that he can be. So he is one. I'll give you one. I think I think we're sleeping a little bit on James Mitchell's potential as the second tight end. Uh, he showed more this year as a blocker. Didn't get the ball much. Didn't get. I think he. Got, I think he caught two pass one one or two passes. Another guy. He's had a lot of injury issues. Remember, this is a guy who didn't get in a rookie training camp. He, he had a knee issue when he came out of Virginia Tech. I think you're going to see James Mitchell take a step to be a good number two tight end next year, and the Lions are going to be set for a while at tight end with Laporta and James Mitchell. Um, I, I I honestly think that J Jameer Gibbs, as good as he's been. There's more he can do. I I think his he had some dropped passes this year that were atypical of what we saw from him at Georgia Tech and Alabama. And I think his concentration on the little things like that can get better. And I think it will get better. Uh, so he, he's a guy, again, first-round pick, great player, 
hadn't hit a ceiling yet. There's still room for him to grow. Uh, Jerry Jacobs, I think, can, pre- presuming he's back and healthy, I think has some room for growth. I think, look, he talked to us last, he talked to Chris and I last summer. Um, we did an episode with him. You can look it up in the archives here at Detroit Lions Podcast. And I told him, you got to find the ball better. He's like, yeah, I know. Like, I, I, I know that I have to start locating the ball better. And he started to do it a little bit, and then he kind of got away from it. So I think another offseason of Jerry having confidence in himself and continuing to grow can help, and he can be your number three, number four outside corner. Look, starting was probably too high for him. He tried his best. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's that's where that that's that's one. Um, Colby Sorrell is going to be an interesting one. Uh, we'll see. I like, I like Corby souls, Colby souls potential a lot. We'll see how much he grows and how much opportunity he's given this coming year. Because if they think it can take a leap that might impact, well, I'll, I'll, I'll reverse it. If you don't see them taking an interior offensive lineman fairly early in the draft, like first three or four rounds, it's probably Probably an indication that they're higher on Sorstall than we might think they are. That's my interpretation of it early anyways. Um, let's do the last one here. Um, we've, we've gone long enough. You've, you've listened to me yammer long enough. <laughs> uh, how much harder will it be to improve the team on replaced lost talent now that we have one of the better teams in the league? So this, this is a great question. Because we have seen teams that have bubbled up before. And look like they have a lot of promise, and they sort of fizzle out. The Jaguars come to mind uh, from last year to this year. Uh, the the Cardinals that bubbled up into the playoffs a few years ago, and and then sort of went away. The Cleveland Browns, the the team that I covered in twenty twenty, looked like they were going to be great for years, and then the wheels fell off again until this year. Uh, it happens, and it one of the things that I think well, I, I will speak to the Cleveland one. Uh, specifically because I know this one because I watched it firsthand in running Browns wire and covering that team uh, as well as the Lions. They got cocky and they got a little bit away from what made them successful. And I don't think that the Lions are going to have that issue. I think that the core group of Brad and Dan and John Dorsey and Chris Spielman and John Fox and Sheila Amp at the top they're not going to deviate from what got them here. I don't I don't see that happening. So I, I I'm not terribly worried about that. They do have to maintain the the player development though. I think that's critical because uh, as guess Chris, my podcast co-host has said that's sort of the secret sauce for what has made this team develop in or or grow as quickly as they have into an NFC Championship game participant and very viable Super Bowl contender in 2024. As far as you got to avoid the acquisitions that don't make sense, the, the break character. That, that you got to be careful on that. You can't be chasing the name or chasing somebody who was really good in one spot, but they might not fit what your spot might be open for them. Um, I'm trying to think of an example of that because the Jaguars, they just kind of got Trevor Lawrence sort of stagnated. Their offensive line didn't do as well as like, Oh, there's reasons for it. Um, I'm not I'm not terribly worried about it, to be honest with you. That, that's sort of where it's at. I'm going to end that there. Um, there's like another page of questions, but uh, 
This is enough, and it's going to take forever for Ash to edit this already. Thank you, Ash, for editing, by the way. He does a great job. Tune into his dailies. He did one this week about identifying what players would be a lion and what players won't be a lion um, in the draft specifically. Uh, it was really good. I'm glad that he said it. It's something that we're going to extrapolate upon throughout the rest of draft season. Uh, coming up, we got the combine coming up. Uh, check out our our wonderful episode that we did last night with Emery Hunt. Love Emery, um, one of my heroes in the business. Uh, one of the re- one of, one of the guys who really motivates me to be the best that I can be because I got to chase his ass. Uh, and I told him that to his face. Uh, he's uh, he, he's great. Uh, please check that out. Uh, we got all kinds of, of loaded content coming up. You know, Bish and Brown are doing their thing. Uh, we got all kinds of draft stuff coming up. So uh, again, this is Jeff Rizzo signing off. Thank you. Let's bring it in here together. Lions on three. One, two, three. Lions! You've had enough of that shit.